But uh, for this week, we're going to continue on with our new series that we started last week called Hello, My Name is Jesus. Uh, we're going to be, uh, our text for the, the series is actually in Philippians 3. We're going to be using the Amplified Version. I didn't know as I was putting this together, there's actually an AMPC, which is an Amplified Classic Version, and there's a normal that's just AMP. Um, but I like this one better, and I thought this really did a good job of expressing what this series is about, what we're doing, and what the whole point of all this is. And so it's Philippians 3, 10a, it says this, For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately equated with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. And what this series is really all about, what we're going to be doing through it, we kind of talked about it last week, is kind of look at the personality of Jesus. We're going to be introducing you to maybe some things that, that maybe you didn't think of before, or maybe you thought of before, we're going to expound on those things. So this week, what we're going to be doing, I would like to introduce you uh, to the playful, humorous Jesus. The playful, humorous Jesus. Now, I think that this is one of those things that, that I think as we really think about it, as we begin to, to look at this, uh, we kind of go, well, yeah, that's, that's probably a part of his personality, but it's not something we talk a lot about. It's not something that we focus in on, and, and, and we want to do that this morning. I want to allow us to have a more holistic understanding of who Jesus is as a person, what he enjoys, how he looks, how he works, and because I think when we understand that, we'll have a better understanding of every aspect that he's trying Trying to get us to understand. And so I'm very excited because I, I, I love this portion of, of him and, and I really want to look at this together. So the first thing I want to look at is I want to see the humor and playfulness of Jesus through his creation. Through his creation. Now, I don't know about you, I'm not, I'm not an art guy, okay, at all, okay? Like my last art class was sixth grade, because I, I, did, I was horrible. I can't do stick figures. I can't do anything. I'll be honest with you. Going to an art museum, I'm sorry if this offends you, is about the most boring thing I can possibly do. Now, I know some of you love art. You're wonderful at art. And, and I just don't understand it. I go, I go there's a picture. It's, it's nice. It's a person. It's, it's a thing. But some of you have this, this unbelievable understanding of art. And you've looked at me. You've said, oh, you can understand so much about the artist by the, the drawings and the things they do. And, and this person had this going on in their life. And this person, you know, all I think about is that guy was weird. He cut his ear off. Okay? That's me. Okay? And, and, but the, there is one thing I have learned from talking to some of you about art. And that is, I have learned, no matter what type of art it is, you can learn a lot about the artist by the art they produce. You can. And I think that we can start this whole thing by understanding a little bit more about Jesus and the playful, humorous side of him by looking at what he created. Let's start with John. Look in John. John 1, 3. Now, this is John is beginning his gospel. He's talking about Jesus, and he's beginning to talk about all these different things. But in John 1, 3, it says this. God created everything through him, him being Jesus, and nothing was created except through him. Jesus created. Jesus put all these things together. I love in Scripture where it says, let us create man. It's not God and Jesus and the Spirit were someplace else. They were all a part of this together. And I believe very strongly that we can learn about the personality of Jesus, and not just in the humor and playful side, but in all assets, by looking at what he's created. I think that's important that we see that, because I think it'll show and come to life some things that we may not have seen before. 
Before we do that, I want to show a little video. Monica, are you ready? It's just a couple minute video because I think this is important that we watch this to see this. I, I, I looked online. I was trying to find some things that kind of brought this out. And I found this really, really, actually we cut it because it was too long. But I wanted to show it so you kind of get an idea here what I'm talking about. Okay, Monica, can you throw that, that video on real quick? Hi there, awesome animals here. Buddy, who's your best friend? Now, I want to talk about this for a second. And, 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 you know, I could, I, I literally, I spent, it was, it was Friday, I spent hours watching animal videos. And, and mainly because I was trying to, like, find the best ones. And, and I, I honestly was just like, I got to the point where I was just like, I've watched way too many of these. We're just going to grab this one and go. But, I mean, some of the, the things that we saw, there was one that I, I, that was just, I couldn't put it on here, but it was just awesome. It was a guy who was at a zoo. And there was a monkey, and I don't know what kind of monkey it was, but it was just a monkey. And he was doing just a sleight of hand magic trick, you know. And so he had like his, it looked like his ticket in his hand. And so he's sitting there in the glass, he's sitting there, and he had it in his hand, and he kind of did something where it disappeared. And this monkey literally went, and he like came after him again, and he popped it again. And he goes, you know, this crazy, listen, listen, animals were created by God. Okay, animals don't do what they do because they, they were created this way. How many of you have animals at home and you can tell me story after story? My dog did this. My cat did this. My hamster did this. My guinea pig did this. My snake did this. We are created with a funny bone. Isn't that true? Because God's creation shows it. It shows it. We are there. Listen, listen, think about this. Think of all the weird animals that God has created. A platypus. 
What in the world is a platypus? Even animals that you think of. Listen, I always thought about it as a kid. The fact that God made an elephant. I mean, how cool is this? An animal that basically can suck water into its trunk and spray people and spray itself. When you stop to think about creation and you stop to think about what God has made and you stop to think about what we can see, river otters play tag. You don't think they mirror their creator? I mean, think about all the times where you, you know, think of all the, the stories that you have about those types of things. And you begin to see this playful, humorous God that is trying to get us to understand. I, I, I started this whole thing with, with the videos by looking up, and I know some of you have done this before, the fainting goats. Have you seen these things? Google it. YouTube it if you have not seen the fainting goats. There are these animals that literally, I don't know if they get scared or something, but you run up to them and kind of scream at them, and their legs lock up, and they just kind of fall over. They're hysterical. Now, you may think it's mean. I think it's funny, because I've, you know, I've, I've had bad experiences with goats in the past. You know, and so they do. They run up and go, ah! and the goat just kind of goes. Ah! Who does that? Our God does. A hippopotamus? A giraffe, a pug puppy. I'm convinced that God, as he was creating a pug, was like, that's fine, and just push the nose in. I'm convinced. That's our God. That's our Jesus. But have you lost that? Do you realize that? Do you see that? They were created this way. This isn't a defect. This isn't a mess up. This is God showing us who he is by what he's created. And I think it's important that we understand that. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. Why is it difficult to recognize and appreciate the humor and playfulness of Jesus? Why is that so hard for us? Well, I put down a couple things. I put down a couple things that I think will help us understand a little bit of why this is so difficult. It's all in your notes here. So if you want to follow along, we'll kind of go through these. It says this. We carry the assumption that Jesus always spoke in a serious and somewhat somber tone. And such a tone was devoid of humor. As I was studying and I was putting all this together, I I talked about this last week. Um, Jesus of Nazareth came out, I think in the 80s. It was a mini-series. And you know what's interesting is when I saw it as a kid, I was like, why is Jesus so somber? Why doesn't he smile? And I actually, as I was looking and I was studying, I found out that a lot of people were really upset at the time because it made Jesus seem too human. That was a problem in those, at that time. But we think Jesus walked around. Why? Well, obviously what Jesus was dealing with was a very serious thing. This is, this is the salvation of mankind. And so for some reason, I think we have that tendency to see Jesus that way. Whether it's we're used to it in art, or we're used to seeing other things. But we have this idea that Jesus just looks kind of somber. Kind of sad. Kind of like he's so serious, he's so focused at the the task at hand, that he absolutely doesn't have any humor whatsoever in, uh, in his body. Next, English translations prevent us from seeing humorous word plays and puns. Now, here's what we have to understand. When you got a word play or you got a pun, Jesus was not speaking in English. And sometimes in that translation, we lose that stuff. 
We lose some of those things. I could have put some of these things into our notes, but I thought it would bore you. Um, and so, but trust me, there's things that as you look at it, as you understand the original language that Jesus was speaking in, he was actually using those word plays, those puns that we laugh about and enjoy. Next, most of us lack a familiarity with the humor typologies that made ancient comedies laughable. If we do not know what is going on in the world of politics or popular culture, we will miss the jokes into windows and satire. We've got to understand something. Why are things funny to us today? Because we understand our world. We understand the culture that we are in. We don't always understand why Jesus was doing those things or why he was saying those things. His hearers are hearing it and they're getting it immediately because they understand. As I was putting this together and looking at this, I had one guy that basically in his commentary wrote uh, something to the effect of, we understand, and it was a little while ago, so please understand what he said. We understand why Jay Leno and David Letterman's monologues are funny because we understand the culture and the time and the politics that are going on when those things are shown. Do you get that? We don't understand what Jesus' world really, really looked like. And so when he would say things that were funny or satirical or other things like that, we don't get it because we don't understand what was going on at the time. So he was being funny. We just missed the joke, if that makes sense. We missed the joke. And then this is one that I really thought was important. We don't see humor, laughing, or at times even joy as holy and sacred. When was the last time you looked at joy, laughter, humor as a sacred, holy thing? Because I believe it is. I believe that we have narrowed down what we consider to be secular and what we consider to be spiritual. And neither the tween shall meet. And I really have a feeling we're going to get up to heaven one day. We're going to get into God's presence. And God's going to go, wow, you missed it. And I'm like, God, what do you mean? It's like you put everything in a box, Aaron. You basically said this is secular. This is holy. This isn't. And I think we're going to find out that all, a lot of things that we thought weren't holy really are. And that we need to enjoy those things now. You know, I've said it before. I think fellowship is holy and sacred. I think laughter is holy and sacred. Why do I believe those things? Quite simply because the enemy has taken it and twisted it. Think about that for a second. When God has something good for his kids, what does the enemy always do? He tries to rob it. He tries to take it. He tries to distort it. He tries to twist it. And look at our humor in our world today. Think about that. If he didn't see it as a threat, he wouldn't waste his time on it. But he does. A lot. A lot. I believe laughter. I believe humor. I believe these things are holy and sacred. Look at Job 8.21. This is what it says. He says, he will once again fill your mouths with laughter and your lips with shouts of joy. Ecclesiastes 3, starting with verse 1 and then jumping to verse 4. You know these verses. For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. A time to cry and a time to laugh. A time to grieve and a time to dance. This is important that you catch this. God created laughter and gave us a sense of humor. Do we really believe that Jesus came to take it away? God created this. God brought this forth. God puts laughter in our mouths. He says there's a time for laughter. There's a time for joy. There's a time. Do we really believe that Jesus came to take that away? 
Do we really believe that Jesus came and lived a life devoid of something that his father had created that, as, as, as the proverb says, is it's like a good medicine for us? Why would Jesus do that? Listen, we're talking about Jesus here. And we understand that to know Jesus is to know the Father. But listen, Jesus, the Father, they're funny. They're funnier than you. Do you get what I just said? God, listen, do you really think that God is less joyful and laughs less than you do? You really think that you're better at God in certain areas? One of my favorite stories in the entire Bible is a story that takes place in 1 Samuel. Some of you know this story. It's not in your notes. But it's a story where basically the enemies of Israel have come and they have taken the Ark of the Covenant. They've, they've, they've said, oh man, this is great. And they've come in and they've placed it in front of their God in their temple. Their God has a God named Dagon. Dagon. I love this story. Because this just shows me that God is just sitting there at times just giggling. Okay? Just giggling at what he does. Because so they bring it in, and they're celebrating. Yeah, we had victory. We beat those Israelites. God, who? And they place this holy thing in the temple. They go out. They have a party. They come out the next morning, and the statue, the idol, has been pushed over and is laying front-faced in front of the Ark of the Covenant. Now, I want you to stop. Now, listen here. Okay? You're going to have to get out of your, 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 your mindset of, of these things. You, picture this as you would like picturing a, a sitcom on television. Imagine this. You are the priest of Dagon. That is your God. That is you, that, that guy is, that, it, yeah, I know it's a statue, but you know, that thing is going to make sure it rains. It's going to make sure everything's okay. It's going to take care of you. And you come in. First thing in the morning, and your statue has fallen over. I can't imagine what must have been going through their minds. It's like, uh, uh, uh God fell down. Remember when I was a kid? You know, you know the, the life alert? Remember that? I've fallen and I can't get up. That has always been through my head when I've seen Dagon face down. In front. So they're reaching over. They're like, oh, 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 can we touch him? Can we, can we do this? What do we do? How do we handle this? Do we call somebody? How do we handle this? So they're reaching down. They're lifting up very, very carefully. Okay. Can we just stop here and just realize, it's kind of funny, Marissa and, and Nathan and I were talking about this this morning, how dumb we are as human beings. This is their God that they worship and adore. And they're having to pick him up because he fell down. Can, can, you, can you go with me here? They pick him up. They set him back. Okay, everything's good. We're all right. I, I'm sure just a wind or something came in and blew down the big statue. I can just see God up in heaven going, oh, oh, really? Yeah. So they go out about their day. Everything's fine. They get up. They come back the next morning. Guess what's happened? Dagon has fallen over again. His head has fallen off. His hands have been removed. And he's, he's done it again. And finally, they come to their senses. Hey, this isn't going well for us. And they get the Ark of the Covenant out. I love that story. You can't tell me. Listen, if you look at me and say, I'm sorry, I, can, I cannot believe that my God is humorous. That is a perfect example. Of God intervening in a situation and going, okay, you want to play that game? Gunk. Okay, I got to pick it up. Ta-da, everything's fine. Okay, let's go about our day. Oh, really? Gunk. Oh. I mean, 
you always wonder, like, at what point did, did it ever cross their mind? Maybe the statue isn't really alive. Or maybe, you know how dumb, sometimes human beings can be, you know. Well, maybe the statue did this on purpose. God did that. God did that. What a funny story. There's tons of stories that we could get into where God's humor is on display. There's so many things that happen where we look at it and we go, oh my goodness, look at this and look at that. And then God knocks down our idol statue. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that knocked down a statue thousands of years ago is still laughing today. He sings and he dances over us. Listen to me. I just, a couple weeks ago, I went to a wedding and I watched children. Have you ever watched children dance? It's the most beautiful, awesome thing. Because, you know, we get it as adults and we're like, oh, I, I can't dance. And, and we, you know, kids, they just, they just get up there. They just go to town. You know, I've never seen a child dance like this. They laugh. They smile. They giggle. Now, this may come as a shock to you. This may, this may kind of take your view of God and blow it out of the window. But I truly believe as God sings and dances over us, he is laughing. He is joyful. He is enjoying every minute of that action. Listen, we have this picture of Christ in a man named David. And David danced before the Lord. And he was excited about this, the, the ark coming home. And he was laughing and he was joyful. So much so that other people looked at him with disdain and said, oh, hasn't the king of Israel distinguished himself. Listen, I got a question for you. When you see God and you understand that David was a wonderful representation of Jesus, not perfect, but a wonderful representation, are you Micah? I think that's Micah, was the, the daughter of Saul. I could be wrong, so forgive me if I am. Are you David or are you the, the daughter of Saul? Are you the one that's in the, 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 up in the, the bedroom looking down and going, oh, how disgusting. Or are you the one that's so excited and enjoying the joy of the Lord? Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Do we really believe that Jesus came to take it all away when it was created by God? So let's finish it this way. Number three, let's find, let's, let's find, let's find the playfulness and the sense of humor in Jesus. So what I've done is I've put together a list of some things that I think kind of show this in the life of Jesus. I've listed five things here, and we're going to look at them together. In Matthew 7, 3 through 4, throw that one up there. We're going to start there. It says this. Now, you've heard this before. You've read this before. But now we need to see it with a different eye. Now we need to see it with an understanding that our God actually has a funny bone, that our God at times is showing things in a humorous way and we might have missed it. Look at this. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Now, we've read this before and all this, it's about judging. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? What is this basically saying? Now, let's remember something about Jesus just for a second. The man for a number of years was a carpenter. You don't think the people knew that? So what's he do? He tells a story about wood. He tells a story about sawdust and a two-by-four. I remember as a kid trying to picture this in my own mind, like, like me you know, and my friend over here having a little piece of sawdust. Oh, I got a little piece of sawdust in my eye. And me having a two-by-four sticking out of it. 
It's funny. Jesus here is showing a point. He's showing absurdity a little bit. He's showing, listen, this is, what, this is like what you're doing. Yes, I know what it's about. I know it's about judging. I know what this is all about. It's about basically making sure that you are doing what needs to be done so that you can then help your neighbor deal with what's going on in their life. I get all of that. But you know what? I think Jesus is trying to be a little bit of a funny guy right now. He's trying to be a little bit of a joke. Because why didn't he just say, listen, listen, deal with your own stuff. And then you're more able to deal with everybody else's stuff. Why does he talk about wood and sawdust and a two-by-four? I think what we have to forget here is his hearers are going, huh, that's a funny picture. That's a funny thought. Yeah, I got to do that. I got to do a better job with that. Let's move on. Look at Matthew 23, 23b. It says this. This is what's going on. He's talking to the Pharisees. He says, but for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more, more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. Blind guides. And now here's where he gets into funny. You strain your water so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, but you, sh- you swallow a camel. Why does Jesus talk about this? Well, it's very simple. His hearers would have understood this completely. The Pharisees would have understood this immediately. The smallest unclean animal was a gnat. And one of the biggest unclean animals was a camel. So basically what these guys would do because they didn't want to break the law is they would strain their water so they wouldn't accidentally swallow something so tiny. And instead, Jesus is saying, listen, you're not swallowing the small thing, you're swallowing the big thing. He's saying you're doing all the stuff, you're tithing, you're doing, but you're forgetting love and joy and mercy. He's being funny. He's telling a joke at their expense. He's basically saying, oh, yeah, good job, guys. Jesus is being a little sarcastic here. Are you okay with Jesus being sarcastic? Because he is. He's saying, you're worried about the big stuff. You're missing the little stuff. Mark 10, 24b. Look at this. It says, dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, let me explain something to you about this one. I remember when I was a kid, now maybe some of you have heard this and whatever, where where when I was a kid, I was taught or told that there were places in city walls that were called the eye of a needle. Did anybody else hear that before? Okay, now... And basically what Jesus is saying here is he's giving a picture of that. Now, when I looked at this, and as I've looked in the past, you know, trying to look at, trying to figure out, was that really true or whatever? Listen, I'm not saying it wasn't. I'm saying when I looked at it, I couldn't find anyone that basically recently would agree with that. Okay? So you get that? But the commentaries that I saw and I looked at as I studied this all said the same thing. You know what they said? Jesus here was being hubris. Now let's think about this for a second. Let's imagine that, that the guys back a little while ago that, that said the eye of the needle were correct. I'm not saying they're wrong. Let's just say they were correct. Can you picture that for me just for a second? This is a very, very small door. Human beings at this time were not as big you know, as, as they are today. We're, we, we've gotten bigger over the years. 
So you know this is a very small door. Can you imagine a camel getting on all fours and trying to wiggle its way through this? And even if it wasn't, even if that's not true, here's Jesus making a joke. Here he is saying, listen, this doesn't make any sense. This is really, really hard. He's showing this absurd picture to get you to understand the point. He's, listen, he's using humor to help us to understand. Do you ever do that? If you do, it's because you're like your create, the person that created you. Think of the pictures that he's making. Think about how he's showing these things. Look at John. Oh, wait, that was John. No, I'm John. Yeah, thank you. John 1, 47, 50. It says, when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. So this is where uh, Nathanael and Philip are getting called to be his disciples. It says, then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Now, let's stop here and let's think about this picture. Let's talk about what's been happening. Jesus has, has basically, Nathanael's walked up and he's basically said, hey man, I, I know who you are. I saw you under the fig tree. And this, of course, as you can imagine, kind of blows Nathanael's mind. He's like, you must be God's son. How in the world did you even know that? How did you understand that? How could you express that? Now, I want to change something here. Because here's what it says. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. Now, what is Jesus saying here? He's basically saying, listen, you're believing who I am because I did this. Now, if we have this view of Jesus as kind of a stick in the mud and kind of somber all the time, and we read this next verse in that context, with that light, you're going to miss this completely. Because his response is, you will see greater things than that. Now, I remember as a kid, it was like when he would say that, angels would show up, people would start to sing, the plate would show up behind his head, and it was this glorious moment. You will see greater things than that. What if Jesus had a little bit of a twinkle in his eye? What if Jesus had a little bit of a smirk? And his response is something like this. <laughs> you believe because you saw, I saw you under the fig tree. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you haven't seen anything quite yet. How does that change how we see Jesus? Is that boastful? Is that proud? No, Jesus is making a simple point. Listen, think about it. Jesus knows what's going to happen. He's going, you're in, basically, you're impressed with this? Because I saw you? Dude, dude, listen, dead people are going to come alive again. Blind people are going to see. Deaf people are going to hear. Leopards are going to be cleansed. And you're excited about the fact I saw you under the tree? Come on, dude, this is going to be awesome. What if that was his response? Because if I look at the creation and I look at who Jesus is, I'm starting more and more and more and more and more and more to believe that's how we responded to him. You haven't seen anything yet. With a glint and a smile and a, oh boy, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. Let's finish by looking at Luke 24, 13. In this story, now I want to, we're going to put into context 
this story because this really, in my opinion, shows not just the humor of Jesus, but as some of these other things did, but the playfulness of Jesus and, and kind of how he is. This is the story of, of the two men on the road to Emmaus, okay? And, and we have to remember what has happened at this point. At this point, Jesus has had the victory. He has, he has he's been crucified. He's been risen on the third day. He has the keys to hell, death, and the grave. I mean, if there was ever a guy who is walking on cloud nine, it's Jesus. He's been restored to his father. I mean, he is doing awesome. He's accomplished the mission. I mean, this is awesome. And he shows up, and this is what it says. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything they had seen happen, and they talked and discussed these things with each other. Jesus himself came up and walked among them, but they were kept from recognizing him. So let's think about this picture. These two disciples of Jesus are walking down the road. They do not necessarily, they're, they're dealing with all the stuff. They're, oh my goodness, Jesus, well, I thought he was the Messiah, and, and, and maybe he wasn't. They're doubting, they're confused. Oh, but this happened, and then that. What is all this about? How, how could all this happen? And Jesus enters the scene. Now, this is where Jesus and I differ, and we differ in lots of ways, okay? This is because I'm me, and this is Jesus. I would have probably entered the scene with the trumpets and the glory, and I'd be like, here I am! I'm excited! Listen, I've restored you to my Father! You're going to be with me forever! I mean, just all that good stuff. But Jesus doesn't. He just kind of moseys on in. Moseys on in. And he asks them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Jesus knows what they're talking about. It's Jesus. But he asks the question, so um, what are you guys talking about? He says, they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleophas, I, I don't know how to pronounce that, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Jesus feigns ignorance. He's just like, what y'all talking about? And they're like, Seriously? Do you not know what has been going on in Jerusalem? Are you kidding me? And Jesus responds, what things? What things? And they say, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. At this point, we're going to jump on. And it says in 28. And so basically, he begins to tell them about himself. And basically tries to explain it to them. Now, we jump down now to 28. It says, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further. Now think about this for a second. No, they don't know what has really happened. They don't know that they are walking with their risen Lord. And he goes, okay guys, see you later. You're kind of reading the story like, uh, um, uh, uh, their faces are downcast, Jesus. They're a little sad here, Jesus. They think you're dead, Jesus. Can you um, maybe, I don't know, mention maybe that you're alive and that would be wonderful and we can sing glory, glory, hallelujah, please. And he's like, oh, well, see you guys. He's going to leave. He says, but they urged him strongly. Stay with us for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Jesus is going to go on. He's going to keep moving. And they say, oh, can you please stay? It's late. Just stay with us. He says, when he was at the table with them, he took bread gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes, and only then, are their eyes opened, and they recognized him. So isn't this beautiful? 
So here's, here's our payoff, isn't it? Here's where we're going to like, oh, good. Here comes our glory, glory, hallelujah moment. This is going to be great. So Jesus appears. They go, boom. Oh, my goodness. It's Jesus. How dumb must they have felt? Just putting that out there. How, they, they spent how long with him and they didn't recognize him? And they go, it's Jesus. And then what does Jesus do? He vanishes. He disappears. He's gone. Now, listen to me. Hear my heart. I understand for some of us, this is not always easy to think about. We've been taught and we've learned and we've experienced and we've seen a Jesus that really is not laughing much. He's not joyful. He is serious and serious about the business that he had to accomplish. And listen, I believe Jesus was serious. I think there were moments where he was deathly serious. But if we're going to really understand who Jesus truly is, we're going to have to understand that there were times where Jesus giggled. And please hear me. I do not believe in any way, shape, or form that is sacrilegious in any way. I think that is an unbelievable explanation of who Jesus really is. He was all man and all God. Children loved him. They wanted to be around him. People that had been judged and cast out and cast down desired to be around him, loved him, wanted to be close to him. You really think they would have done that if they would have looked at Jesus and go, oh man, that guy's just gonna, just gonna rip me like everybody else. Look at this story. Look at what Jesus is showing here. This unbelievable playfulness. This unbelievable moment where basically they finally figure it out and he disappears. There's something special about understanding that in my world that, my, that Jesus laughs. Because I guarantee you there were moments that weren't easy, and his laughter came. It calmed. It brought peace. It helped him realize what was going on. There were moments in the disciples' lives, if the worship team was to come on back, that were hard and difficult, way even before the crucifixion, guys. There were things that they didn't understand. And Jesus, in his loving, kind, almost humorous way, brought it forth. And there was a peace there. There was a laughter there. Listen, hear me on this. Jesus didn't go find disciples, okay, at church. He found them on a fishing boat. He found them at a tax collector's table. These were not, can you hear me here? These were not what you would probably consider to be the real staunch Christians. They, they, if you understand this term, they probably didn't have a lot of starch in their shirts. They were fishermen. They were guys. How many, how many times was Jesus around these men at a campfire and and they began to laugh and they began to tell jokes and they began to pick on one another. And how often did Jesus join in? You begin to look at the stories when Peter would do something silly or John or James, the sons of thunder, would do something. 
I could just see Jesus in that moment, just, just listening and going, really? Okay, bing! And then they just laugh and they cut up and they begin to kind of punch each other because that's what guys do. Get a bunch of guys together and watch them. Get a bunch of friends together and watch them. And we talked about this last week. Jesus doesn't just call us servants. He now calls us friends. Do you really see Jesus in that way? Because here's the thing, I don't believe that that, if you don't, I don't believe it's going to just totally wreck your Christianity. Don't, that, that's, that's not what I'm saying. But I think in a lot of ways you are going to miss a major part of who Jesus really is. You ever done this? Your son, your daughter will come to you and they're upset. They're dealing with something, or, or maybe, maybe you've done this with somebody at work, a friend at work, or a spouse, just people that you have in contact with, and they come to you, and they're hurting. Something happened, and it could be a big thing, it could be a small thing, and you kind of, you listen, and you hear, and you, you're, you're, you're there, and you kind of feel like the moment is right. You don't do it too early. You, and you, you, you look at them because you have that close relationship with them and you kind of give them a little joke. You give them a little joke. And they laugh. My favorite emotion is laughter through tears. Favorite. Because it reminds me of the verse where though the darkness may last for the night, the joy will come in the morning. There are times, and please hear me, where Jesus doesn't just want to comfort you in your pain. He wants to bring joy and laughter to it because he truly understands how important that is to us as human beings. And if you see Jesus as cold and indifferent and serious and distant, you're going to miss some of the healing that God truly wants to do in your life. And I truly believe that. I can't tell you the amount of times in my life where I've been dealing with something and I've been dealing with something and it's like Jesus will kind of just come and at the perfect moment that only he knows, he'll throw something in there that I didn't think about or he'll tell his little humor and, and I'll just kind of be like, okay, yeah, you're right. God, I'm sorry. You're right. I think it's beautiful. I can't tell you how many times my son has come and he's been in tears and I'll wait for that moment and I'll say that thing and even though there's still tears streaming down his cheeks he'll have a big smile and just begin to laugh and I'll grab him in my arms and I'll hold him and he'll just begin to laugh and he'll begin to laugh and he'll begin to laugh and, and on that moment those things and those cares and those things he's been thinking about they begin to kind of just kind of get pushed away in the laughter do you realize your heavenly father so desperately wants to wrap his arms around you and have you forget in that moment in his laughter, in your own laughter? Isn't that a beautiful picture? Isn't that 
what you see when Jesus said, let the kiddos come to me? I don't know how you picture that in your mind, but I'll tell you one thing. It was not a quiet moment. It was not a serious moment. It was a, a moment of joy and laughter and those little kids. Can, can you imagine? You, know, you get a little kid, you get four or five little kids on Jesus and they're climbing on the back of him and he's laughing, he's pulling them around, he's wrestling with them. They want to be near him. Jesus is like, he's, he's just like, oh my goodness, this is awesome. And it's beautiful. I want us to see Jesus that way again because I think that's who he is. And I think that's how he wants to be known as the God that loves us so desperately, but also it's got that smile and that joy that brings forth peace and strength. Listen, if you're tired this morning, scripture is very clear. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Not the seriousness of God, not the holy, holy, holy of God, even though that's there. The joy of the Lord. That's what will strengthen us. That's what will see us through. That's what he wants to do in us and through us. Let's pray. Father, we love you. And God, you're so good. God, you're so amazing. And Father, we look and we see your creation and we see the animals that you've created and their personalities. Father, we got, we got uh, let's just be honest, Father, we got dogs at home that got more personality than we allow you and your son and your spirit to have. What is wrong with us? Father, you desire for us to know you. And just because we didn't see something before doesn't mean it's not there. Doesn't mean it's not a part of you. And yeah, Jesus, we're going to talk about other aspects of you that aren't this, that are different. But today we're focusing on this. Today we're, we're trying to see you for who you really are in all your facets. And Jesus, we admit something before you. You are funnier than us. You laugh more than us. You smile more than us. You have more joy than us. We admit it. And we embrace it. We embrace it. And Father, what we're asking is that we become more like you. Not silly, but Father, that our lives would be full of your joy of your laughter, of your humor, that, Father, we would embrace that side of you just as much as we embrace other sides of you that may, quite honestly, just be a little more comfortable for us. We want to know you in all areas. And so, Father, I pray for us, because I'm kind of in this boat, too, that sometimes it's hard to see you that way. Sometimes it's hard. But Father, you want us to know you intimately. And so that means we get to know you in every way, shape, or form. So help us in this. Help us to know every part of you as we learn these things, as we're introduced to these things during these next couple of weeks. That Father, we would be open to every aspect of who you are. 
Because to know you is to love you. The more we know, the more we love. Because you are so lovable in so many ways. So Father, I pray that as Jesus commanded, as we are told in your scripture, that Father, we will truly be childlike because that is who will enter the kingdom of God. So help us because sometimes it's hard. We love you and we thank you.